Hey everyone, welcome to episode 150 of the MTG Grindcast. Collins, we made it to 150. It's pretty exciting. That's, all... that's, that's three years now that we've been doing this. That's a lot of episodes. <laughs> Very crazy. Yeah, it feels good. We have been pretty consistent. Yeah. I'm I'm happy with the content that we have put out over that time. Yeah, yeah, me too. You know, we are opening up to new and exciting things with the world of streaming tournaments and that sort of thing. But right. the podcast will, you know, keep <laughs> chugging along throughout all of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no tournaments to go to, but we're still here. Yes. So, there yes. you go. Today we're going to be reviewing M21. We're going to do our set review a little bit differently this time, both because this is a core set... So the like density of cards to like get excited about is a little lower, mm -hmm. and also because we got a lot of stuff to do to get ready for <laughs> covering the Mana Traders tournament this weekend. So I don't actually have time to edit a four-hour set review episode. So we've got to change things up just a little bit, slightly condensed, a little. Yeah. We're still going to talk about the cards that we are excited to talk about. Yeah. So what we've done is for each color, we have each created a top five list. We're going to go over one of the, our top five lists at a time, talk about the five cards on that, and then move over to the other person's top five list for that color, only talking more about the cards that are like on, you know, if we go first and we do my five for white, and then we'll do Collins's five, mm -hmm. we'll only talk about the cards that we didn't talk about when we talked about them on my list. Yeah. But, so this should give both a view of like the cards that we're excited about. And the difference in how you and I, you know, evaluate cards <laughs> mm -hmm. on first blush. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it should be exciting. Yeah. We already have our first card displayed. And so I guess we can kick things off with my top five for white. Yes. We're starting with your top five. Yeah. So mine are like kind of in a rough order of like five to one. Okay. But it's more like here are five cards that I want to talk about mm -hmm. because they're interesting in some way yeah. and will have an impact. I think mine are roughly in that order because that's the order that I selected them. But mm -hmm. yeah, pretty much the same. Sure. Just five cards I wanted to talk about. Yep. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. First up, we've got Faith's Fetters. This is a reprint that hasn't actually been around since Ravnica, and it was a common in Ravnica, if you can believe that. Yeah. Uh, this is three and a white for an aura with enchant permanent. When Faith's Fetters enters the battlefield, you gain four life, and enchanted permanent can't attack or block, and its activated abilities can't be activated unless they're mana abilities. Mm -hmm. So in a lot of ways, this is really close to, like, a Vindicate. I, I mean, it, it doesn't uh hit lands effectively right but although it does hit utility lands but it's yeah. kind of a vindicate gain four for four mana because if you something can't attack or block and its activated abilities can't be played that gets rid of most stuff including right. planeswalkers yeah in my heuristics i have it essentially as an o-ring that gains you four life and costs one more yeah but and the four life is very frequently relevant from my experience i mean you know i played this a lot in cube mm -hmm. i certainly don't have experience with it um in any constructed formats yeah before my time but and and the first time it was in constructed planeswalkers didn't exist mm -hmm. and the fact that this is a split card like get rid of a creature or get rid of a planeswalker mm -hmm. and you gain four like that means that it is rarely dead right and it also kind of functions as like exile-ish removal like, yeah. if they have an Uro and you face fetters it, that's very similar to exiling the Uro. Right. So, it does cost four mana. Targeted removal is, like, its stock is at an all-time low, mm -hmm. although this is very versatile. Yeah. So, I don't think that this is going to be, like, an all-star, like, you know, core card of standard or anything, but it's it's definitely a thing to look at. So Yeah, and, I mean, it's just a solid all-around card, and the thing I like the most about it is how it's 
not really dead against any archetype. Mm -hmm. It's good against aggro because it gives you the four life and can take out a threat. And it's just, you know, good against a control deck because they're going to have planeswalkers that you're going to want to hit. Right. And it, it serves that function there as well. Yeah. So, very okay. flexible and yeah. We've kind of seen a similar thing with, like, Claim the Firstborn out of the Sacrifice decks. Mm -hmm. It's just not dead in any matchup because Uro is always around. Right. And so I wonder if, you know, you can have a similar sort of take on this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so next up we've got Idol of Endurance. This is two and a white for an artifact. When it enters the battlefield, exile all creature cards with converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard until Idol of Endurance leaves the battlefield. And it has one, a white, and tap. Until end of turn, you may cast a creature spell from among the cards exiled with Idol of Endurance without paying its mana cost. Yeah, so this one stood out to me as a very interesting one. And it, it's definitely like a new, unique kind of card in my mind. It, like, I can't think of any other cards that are similar to this. You're exiling the cards that have left the game, hit the graveyard. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a late game engine that you can play. And then you can slowly, over the course of a couple of turns, get some value out of it. Yeah. Really hard to evaluate whether or not this is actually going to be constructed playable at all. I don't know if it will be, but it's a really cool design. It is a really cool design. I like the space of, like, sweeper protection that you don't have to invest one of your fundamental early turns into putting on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to... Like, Selfless Spirit is a pretty good card. But it lives in that space of, like, I got to find a place to put this down before the wrath happens. Right. This one, if it's good enough to play, you don't have to put it down before the wrath happens. Like, you get to put it down whenever your creatures are dead and then start getting value. However, it is a really slow value engine mm -hmm. and probably not actually contributing to the game plan that, like, white-based aggressive decks are really interested in. Right. If your deck is 21 drops and venerated loxodons and stuff, I, like, this very slowly putting one drops back into play is not going to get you back into the game against a sweeper deck that also has any meaningful win condition, like a plane, a good Planeswalker or, or, or something like that. Right. So... This would be more exciting to me in some sort of mid-rangey deck that's based around cheap creatures that are that have some value and stuff. Right. So there's like Llanowar Visionary type things. That powerful mid-range card, when you get it back, you get a card, and then you get a meaningful body that's making you mana. Mm -hmm. So some sort of mid-rangey thing, or like in a Death and Taxes kind of deck or something. Yeah, and I mean, what I envisioned when I first read this card was that it could play like a sideboard role in some sort of white weenie strategy. Mm -hmm. When I was looking over the white cards in the set, it felt like there was a lot of cards that could work in that shell. I didn't really see much of the meat and potatoes of that deck, like yeah. one mana creatures and stuff that are powerful. But it seemed like a lot of cards were kind of set up to fit into that archetype. So I was thinking like, hey, okay, maybe this is like a sideboard card where you play against a deck that has wraths, like you mentioned, and then you can play it late game and, and it just generates a lot of value and makes it difficult for your opponent. Right. But you gotta have the right creatures because if you're just getting back Savannah Lions with it, I don't think you're killing anybody that way. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. For sure. Uh, next on my list, we've got one of those maybe white weenie creatures, mm -hmm. uh, Selfless Savior. This is a one white mana, one one dog, sacrifice Selfless Savior. Another creature you control gains indestructible until end of turn. Yeah. A lot of cards in this set were our cards that like if Luris hadn't been nerfed would be like oh my god I cannot believe they're giving us these things with Luris right yeah uh, this is one of them but generally like this you know benevolent bodyguard text where mm -hmm. you don't have to pay mana to activate it 
curve this into something that you want to protect, this does a really good job of protecting it. Yeah, and I mean, we've seen a lot of similar cards to this. You mentioned the the Bodyguard, those also the Alcyon mm -hmm. from last set, but this is the best one that I've seen mm -hmm. because you don't have to play it after the creature you're trying to protect. Right. You can protect anything, and it doesn't cost any mana. Like, the Alcyon cost, you know, like, you had to hold up the mana all game yeah. when you were doing that with your Luris. This one, it's just there and can protect your Luris whenever you need it to. Yeah. So... Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how, you know, maybe main deck Lurises become a thing with some of the cards that are available in this set. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not sure if Luris as a companion is powerful enough anymore, especially in standard, given how you have to restrict your deck building. Right. But there's there's some stuff that this card can do, for sure. Um, it's just costs nothing to activate. and You need to be in, a, in an environment where indestructible is good enough protection. Right. So if there if your opponent is killing your stuff with glass caskets or grasps of darkness or things like that, <laughs> yeah. then obviously this is not. And those are the rule spells right now. So mm -hmm. it's something to, something to note for sure. Those things all have to line up for this to be functional, and you have to have something worth protecting. Yeah, like a Benerless Marshal or some other kind of lord or something like that. Mm -hmm. There are a couple of dog lords. So there is a dog lord in the set. It did not make my list. Because I it don't feel like there are enough dogs for a dog lord to be Here's one. exciting. <laughs> no, I get it. But, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Maybe in a couple of sets, if they keep on giving us some doggos. Yes. Then No longer hounds. They're dogs now. So, right. you know, don't get it twisted. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next, I have Basri Ket. This mm -hmm. is the new white planeswalker. Uh, this is one white white for a three loyalty Planeswalker, plus one, put a plus one, plus one counter on up to one target creature. It gains indestructible until end of turn. Minus two, whenever one or more non-token creatures attack this turn, create that many 1-1 one, one white soldier creature tokens that are tapped and attacking. Minus six, you get an emblem with, at the beginning of combat on your turn, create a 1-1 one, one white soldier creature token, then put a plus one, plus one counter on each creature you control. Yeah, so this is actually one of the cards I was referring to when I mentioned that there were some cards that felt like it would fit in some sort of aggressive white beatdown strategy. Mm -hmm. If you are on the beatdown, this card is significantly better. So you oh, really yeah. you really need to find a shell that you can put this into that is very aggressive and has creatures that you're always going to be able to bump up and giving them indestructible is relevant. And then, you know, being able to like have a board, play this, minus, attack with a bunch of creatures... That could really end a game pretty quickly. Yeah, it is, you know, Gideon Blackblade is a really good card that mm -hmm. lives at the same sort of, the same mana cost and kind of a really similar space of where you would want it. Gideon Blackblade is way better when you're attacking than when you're blocking. Mm -hmm. But this does fit better, I think, in the like heavy one drop venerated Loxodon strategy. Right. If you go one and then two ones, mm -hmm. and then this guy, and attack with three, and make three attacking tokens, that's a lot of damage. Your opponent's going to have to have a sweeper in right. order to keep up from that. So. And then you still have a Planeswalker, at least. Yeah, right. But, you know, not a great one after you've been swept. You put a yeah. creature into play, put a plus one, plus one, kind of, like, you're right. not doing it. It's a round, but, you know, I think the, like, best case scenario is plus... Or you, you minus when it comes down, you then like play a follow-up creature when they wrath, get, give it a counter, and then you like just sacrifice this to minus again for yeah. some extra one ones. Like I think that that's like if you're able to complete that sequence, you're feeling really good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it fits in one very specific deck, but because Venerated Loxodon is still in the format, 
for a little while and mm-hmm. it like dovetails really well with that card yeah i think that this does have a place maybe if white weenie can be a thing but maybe the stuff that's going on is just too powerful for that right now yeah uro is going to be a rough one for that kind of strategy so yep it's it's tough out there for aggressive decks <laughs> but if they don't sweep you and they just try to stabilize with uro mm-hmm. like this is a way that you can go around that and yeah deal, like out outrace the life gain right so yeah yeah um, my last white card is just containment priest mm-hmm. i think that it being legal and modern is a pretty big deal it really hoses dredge it really hoses any deck that has like cord and company in it yeah this is worth having against in pioneer probably you know there's going to be some use for it at some point but just having it in modern is a really really big deal it's huge. When Legacy got this, it mm-hmm. was a, a hugely impactful card. And Legacy has a lot of specific things that this interacts with. Mm-hmm. But so does Modern. It's always been an excellent graveyard hoser. Yep. It has the human creature type. It has the human creature type. And yeah, I think it's definitely going to see a lot of play in the sideboards of Pioneer and Modern decks, for sure. Yep. Um, it, it is a shame it doesn't work against Escape. Yeah, I was going to mention that. It does not hit Uro, which is really unfortunate. Yep. But there you have it. <laughs> you can't beat everything with one card. Right. Although yeah. it does, you know, you kind of want your graveyard hate to work against all of the graveyard cards. Right. Yeah. So a little unfortunate there. I remember casting a lot of grave crawlers from my graveyard uh, playing Hogak against this card in Legacy. So it doesn't it doesn't hit everything. But... Yeah. And it doesn't stop Hogak from getting cast in. And you, yeah, I'm casting Hogak. Right, right, so. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. we don't have to worry about that in modern. So no, it's, yeah, fine. it's fine. <laughs> right, um, it stops uh, Allosaurus Rider. It stops Neoform. Yeah, there you go. That's nice. As long as you can get to your second turn. You right, which good. is not... It happens not most of the time that you get to your second turn. But yeah, I mean... If you're on the play, you know, there probably. You go. Right, right. All right, let's see, yeah. what, see so, what white cards you got for us. Starting with my number five. So this is... Bassery's Lieutenant. It's a human knight 3-4 creature with vigilance protection from multicolored. When Bassery's Lieutenant enters the battlefield, you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control. And when Bassery's Lieutenant or another creature you control dies, if it had a plus one plus one counter on it, create a 2-2 white knight creature token. So kind of the thought behind this making my list is that it's having bodies that don't get bounced by Teferi is actually pretty important. And protection from multicolored seems... Yep. relevant there we've seen that on stone Cold serpent be quite yep. surprisingly good yeah and and that i think that keyword is like really undervalued because there's just a lot of stuff out there teferi um uro mm-hmm. it can just kind of check for a little bit mm-hmm. or attack through or whatever sure and then also just like having sweeper protection like if like the major decks are all playing shadow of the skies and stuff like that like if there are enough other incidental ways of getting plus one plus one counters in a strategy like this right having that sweeper protection can be one of your like having something that protects against that can be a really important way of managing that game yeah a little tough to get the four drop into the deck that like yeah it's a lot of sweepers Mm -hmm. and that's why i didn't make my list is just because it's a little awkward but it does have two good creature types human Mm -hmm. and knight you know human not as relevant in standard but knight can be relevant in standard human could be relevant in another format yeah, actually, kind of cute with Thalia's lieutenant, but <laughs> right. unlikely to have that combination actually come up. Yeah, yeah, all of my humans getting plus one plus one counter would be really great. But yeah. I mean, I guess that's that's uh, pioneer legal, right? So 
that could work. That could be a thing, possibly. Yeah. The, but the four mana cost becomes more and more prohibitive. The older, yeah, <laughs> the, the, the older, older formats we get. So for sure. Yeah, I don't know if it's the best weaver protection in older formats, but it at least gives us something to consider that angle in standard. So. Right. Yep. Yep. It it could definitely do something. Like I'm not mm-hmm. totally naysaying this card. And one nice thing is on its own, it can give you a four power creature, so you get the card draw off of a shadow of the sky, mm-hmm. and also it has the. the Sweeper protection. There you there, go. So yeah. Ah yes, the dog lord. <laughs> the dog it lord. made my list. Just okay. because, how can it not? It's <laughs> it's very cute. So pack leader, one and a white for a two two dog. Uh, other dogs you control get plus one plus one, and when pack leader attacks, prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn to dogs you control. When your when your type isn't very supported, mm-hmm. you can get a really good lord, right? Because there just aren't that many things to pump. That's what happened with Thali's lieutenant originally, mm-hmm. is that there just really weren't enough playable humans. So it was right. like, yeah, we can push this lord and like yeah. see how that ended up. So you better watch out, right? The, the so more maybe... and more dogs get printed, the more and more you're going to want your pack leaders. So get them now and hold on to them, yeah. and in the future. The dogs will be the next humans. I mean, it makes blocking just not work. Like it, it keeps it prevents yeah, the damage like it would take. If so all of my to... creatures are dogs, what are you gonna do? Right, <laughs> just attack with all my dogs. Right, and the fact that it protects itself on attack, so there's no like combat vulnerability point where a blocker can do anything particularly effective. Right, and mm-hmm. and it's not legendary or anything. So if you stack up, you can stack up your lords. Yeah. So but we need more dogs. Only a matter of time. Yeah, so this one made my list as well, that uh, Idol of Endurance. Sure. We talked about this one. Cool. Ah, yes, Mangara the Diplomat. So this is one of the... It, it just kind of has an interesting design. So it's three and a white for a 2-4 lifelink legendary human cleric. Whenever an opponent attacks with creatures, if two or more <laughs> of those creatures are attacking you and or planeswalkers you control, you draw a card. And whenever an opponent casts their second spell each turn, you draw a card. So it doesn't have a huge impact, but it, it is nice that, you know, against aggressive decks, you can have a reasonably sized body. I don't think that a lot of stuff is going to be able to attack through a 2-4 out of the decks that you would probably want to play this against. Mm-hmm. Being able to get the incidental card draw is sure. nice. And playing it against aggressive decks, like those decks are going to want a double spell pretty yeah. early on in the game. Uh, I just feel like you're going to be drawing a lot of cards off of this if you can if you can stick it and, yeah. and live. But. That's possible as a like as an aggro hoser, like a card you're bringing in because your opponent is an aggro deck. It's mm-hmm. kind of weird that the way it hoses the aggro deck is by drawing you cards. Yeah, right. If it were like whenever an opponent does these things, like you get a two two or something mm-hmm. like that, you know that, that would, would be, be crazy, kind of nutty in, <laughs> yeah, in yeah. those kinds of matchups. Drawing cards, you will have to have cards in, like this is your sideboard card against aggro. You have to also have other cards in your deck to draw that like help you finish off the aggro deck Mm -hmm. but yeah the two four lifelink body is fine at the moment like aggro is beaten up enough that like you never like this isn't a thing in an Euro meta game right no for sure but um sure but you know maybe down the line yeah i mean formats certainly change yeah and then my my number one was uh bass recap Mm -hmm. um i I really like the design of this card i hope that moving forward its archetype is going to be supported Mm -hmm. it's an archetype that i have enjoyed a lot in the past yeah so fingers crossed yeah it would be really nice to be able to attack with creatures again (laughs) ideally attack with creatures in a two color deck at some point would be really cool sure i'm not holding my breath on that one yeah that one's tough let's do your blue cards next yes so the first one i have is miscast so 
This is a single blue for counter target instant or sorcery spell unless its controller pays three. Mm -hmm. It's just one mana counter spells, even when they are incidental, have always kind of proven themselves to be very strong. Just being able to hold up one mana is pretty easy. And this one seems pretty powerful out of the sideboard. Just like having the right matchups to to play this in. I you know, three mana's a lot quite a bit for when you're trading one for three. So mm-hmm. I think in modern and older, it's going to be rare that this is better than Flusterstorm. Yeah. But it's certainly an option. If if you're fighting counterspell wars and you're maxed out on mystical disputes, like <laughs> you can get this in there. Mystical dispute right. definitely takes up some of the space for this card the fact that it you know it doesn't hit planeswalkers and mm-hmm. that's why like it, a lot of times spell pierce wins out over fluster storm right. in older formats yeah so this is a pure cyborg card for some kind of specific battles you want right. to fight i think but yeah. really powerful at that job yeah and i imagine when mystical dispute matchups become like if mystical dispute matchups are continuing to be popular after the set comes out and i'm sure that they will how that is going to evolve the play patterns mm-hmm. of those mirrors it feels like missile dispute on its own has already kind of pushed people to just not flinch until they hit their like six mana or whatever right when they have three mana left over and if people are also packing their decks full of this in addition to that it's just going to be like all right, better have three mana up if I want to cast any spells, you know? Yeah. So, Although there aren't too many assertive instants or sorceries. Yeah. You yeah. know, we're not casting mm-hmm. card drawing spells. That's, that's like 2012 magic. Right. You know, we cast Planeswalkers that draw us cards and creatures that explore and draw us cards. Yeah. Yeah, it is definitely a reactive card against uh, other blue decks. Oh, yeah. So this is <laughs> Teferi's Ageless Insight. So this is two and two blue for a legendary enchantment. If you would draw a card except for the first one you draw in each of your draw steps, draw two cards instead. This is really good with the Teferi Planeswalker from this set that makes that's true. his activation on each of your turns plus one to draw two cards and discard a card. That becomes quite good. It also seems insane to me with cycling. Sure. Just Play in a cycling deck, all my one mana cycle cards draw two cards. Divinations now? Just, that seems crazy to me. And, you know, like, four mana for a do-nothing is a lot. It's tough. And we know that that is, like, pretty difficult to make work. Especially when you're then planning on putting mana into drawing cards. Exactly, right. So this is definitely pretty mana intensive. Mm -hmm. It just seems to me that we have access to so many cards that just for a single mana can draw a card. And if you can just start really turning that into something more, like, I don't know what this deck looks like. I don't know what the play patterns look like, really. Um, It just seemed interesting enough to talk about and and be like, wow, like, okay, we can really start turning through our deck if we have built it in that way. I wonder if it's not too much, like, I mean, obviously it doesn't have the the drawbacks, Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, like Song of Creation was a, you know, we got true it was, yeah, it's yeah. a very impressive looking card yeah yeah but the cost of like playing a four mana enchantment and then hoping to do something with it right when and especially one... like this dies to elspeth conqueror's death yeah okay so dies like we can go over all the cards that this yeah. is really bad too elspeth conqueror's death teferi yes. take a shot <laughs> um <laughs> mystical dispute <laughs> you know like sure all of these cards are definitely really good against it so i can i can certainly see it just never making it mm-hmm. but, but there's some power locked away there is there. a lot of power locked away in here and under the right circumstances i think it could be impressive sure so 
<laughs> yeah, I know you like this one. I do like this one. So this is Stormwing Entity. It's three blue blue for a three three elemental. Uh, this spell costs uh, has flying. This spell costs two and a blue less to cast if you've cast an instant or sorcery spell this turn. So it's one and a blue if you've already cast a spell. And it has prowess. And when it enters the battlefield, you scry two. It just really got... It, it keeps going. I just keep on read... I kept on re- reading more and more text on that card. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, this seems impressive to me. It's kind of awkward because typically your like play patterns for these kinds of decks is like play my creature early and then start going off with my spells. Mm-hmm. This kind of demands to be cast on turn three. Yeah. Just like, okay, like bolt your thing and then cast it or opt and then, or, you know, kind of whatever you're doing. So it's a little slower there, but once it enters the battlefield, you get to scry two. That's really great. And it feels like you are contributing to your like deck selection process in addition to getting a threat out. And I just think that that combination is right. really powerful. The, the scry two definitely makes me like this a lot more mm-hmm. for sure i think obviously a thing you want to do with it is metamorphose into it i think in modern that's like a this is a big liability because it does just add a lightning bolt if you get it out early mm-hmm. and don't have mana up for a spell right in something like pioneer i think it's pretty cool it doesn't die to the shocks in the format it doesn't yeah. die to fatal push it doesn't get hit by baffling end or glass casket mm-hmm. because it has that five cmc in standard it gets hit by elspeth conquers death which is a little obnoxious <laughs> but uh i think that generally like the turn you want with this is not opt and then play this right i think the turn you want with this is like you said you want to cast a meaningful spell and play this mm-hmm. so you know, I don't hate the idea of, in standard, casting a Lava Coil and casting this on turn four. Yeah. Like, that right. feels like a good turn. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Because, you know, you're, you're getting a lot more than two mana worth out, mm-hmm. of, out of this card if you, if you get to play it for two mana. So Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and being able to just entirely dodge Fatal Push mm-hmm. in Pioneer is something that is definitely worth taking a note of because Fatal Push is, like, the removal spell in Pioneer, it yeah. feels like. So being able to just completely dodge that and not have to invest five mana into it seems really strong. Right. Like, I think an inverter deck is going to have to spend, like, a three mana removal spell to kill this most of the time. Right. And yeah. that's pretty good for you. Oh, yeah. Although, you know, they might just put a 6-6 six, six into play and then not worry about your prowess guy, but... Yeah, but if that's happening, you're over, so... <laughs> yeah, I like this card a lot. Yeah, I do, too. I'm just afraid that it doesn't quite reward the things that magic rewards these days yeah yeah i I feel that next up i have ghostly pilferer this is one in a blue for a 2-1 spirit rogue when whenever ghostly pilferer becomes untapped you may pay two mana if you do you draw a card and whenever an opponent casts a spell from anywhere other than their hand you draw a card and you can discard a card to uh, say that Ghostly Pilfer can't be blocked this turn. Mm-hmm. So just kind of a cute card. I just really liked the design of this card, mostly. Being able to not have to invest mana into it is uh, really powerful in my mind. So you can kind of use it to rummage if you're not doing anything else. Yep. Um, and, you know, your opponent's not always going to be able to block your 2-1. So if you can, you know, set up scenarios where... You don't have to discard cards to it. It can mm-hmm. just kind of turn into this really annoying card advantage card. Yeah. I, can... I don't know how often you can pay that two. Yeah, paying the two is like the hardest part, mm-hmm. I'm sure. 
Um, but part of what I'm imagining is being able to play this, like, and maybe th this kind of play pattern just doesn't exist anymore, but what I was imagining was like an old school control mirror where you bring it in and you resolve it early and then it's just oh, like I do this... miss those days. Yeah. yeah. You remember that when you could like bring in your cute two like, mana card? Yeah, or like History of Vanillia or whatever yeah. and, and really juke them. Right. But, you know, Uro's a thing. Right. Like, I don't know. It it's probably isn't quite there. But I just think that the design of this card is really cool. I mean, certainly... Putting a curious obsession, I, you know, I guess it depends on the format or something, but in standard, you know, putting a staggering insight on this, like, you can really do some work with it. Oh, yeah. I don't know. There, there's something, generally, the circumstances it requires for a blue aggressive deck to, like, exist are, it's like a very specific set of, like, weather conditions to form that. But yeah. it, it could happen, and this could be a fine two in that deck. And also... Yeah, it could be some... If just, like, a lot of people are casting spells from graveyards and other places, mm -hmm. it could just be a fine two to have in a deck as, right. you know, a role player. Yeah. Yeah, I kept on seeing that mechanic come up a lot of, like, benefiting from casting cards from your graveyard and punishing people from casting cards from their graveyard. And mm -hmm. that's, you know, that's escape, right? That's, like, what they yeah. were referencing there, so... Yeah. Yeah, I mean drawing a card like they they cast Uro from the graveyard and you draw a card like haha I got my card it feels like you you kind of got your finger in the yeah like <laughs> I hope this holds I hope this does something right so yeah something there also it is a free discard outlet for any time that that matters for madness sure. for getting stuff into your graveyard for reanimation or just whatever yeah um, putting I mean, stuff into your graveyard for cheap or free can right. be powerful i have seen a lot of people just like pitch extra cards to their dream trawler just mm -hmm. to be able to cast an uro uh, on yeah. that turn like sometimes it happens yeah or put something there for elspeth conquers death or mm -hmm. whatever yeah yeah discard uro to this card now we're talking <laughs> i don't yeah i can see it yeah <clears throat> kind of <laughs> maybe next up i have uh baron talarian archmage so this is one blue blue for a two two legendary human wizard when Baron Talarian Archmage enters the battlefield, return up to one other target creature or planeswalker to its owner's hand. And at the beginning of your end step, if a permanent was put into your hand from the battlefield this turn, you draw a card. Yep, there's a lot of good stuff going on mm -hmm. here. So yeah, you can bounce your opponent's stuff for tempo. Mm -hmm. You can, and including planeswalkers, mm -hmm. uh, which is not something that I'm used to seeing on this kind of card. And uh, you can also bounce your own stuff for extra value if that's what you're trying to get out of it. Yep. So, And it also, like, you can get that trigger from other things. If you mm -hmm. Teferi and you bounce your Omen of the Sea, right. then you also get an extra card if, if this... I mean, I guess it will live until the end of turn because you resolved your Teferi, so there's nothing <laughs> they can do at that point. There you go. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's ways to use this card. You have to be in the market for a mana war type thing but the flexibility of it I, I i think this will see a fair amount of play mm -hmm. um bouncing in uro can be really good it's like they may not be able to actually get it back into play again like you are giving them another card but that's way better than getting attacked by an uro mm -hmm. so and and then bouncing one of the more expensive planeswalkers can just be a huge the goal when you cast the planeswalker is you cross your fingers and be like i hope i on top with this thing and if you bounce it, then that can give you more of a window, more information to know what you're dealing with. And that, then you have a two, an extra 2-2 two -two in play when they cast it again. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I like this card. Yeah, I agree. Um, my blue cards. So my number five is 
frantic inventory. Oh, yeah. This is one in a blue for an instant. Draw a card, then draw cards equal to the number of cards named frantic inventory in your graveyard. So this is accumulated knowledge, except it doesn't count both players. So it you can actually just play your cards without it being this like terrible, terrible standoff. <laughs> Better accumulated knowledge. Yeah. yeah. AK has always been really strong in formats that it's played in. Not always, but yeah. it, it has. It's definitely had its moments where your accumulated knowledges can really shine. Yeah, so. better in formats where you could intuition for it. Sure. Um, you know, we we made these lists of cards that like interest us and we want to talk about more than necessarily like the best five cards of those colors. <laughs> yeah, and I think the interesting thing to me here is that probably we have moved past this type of card being good in most most formats most ways that like a standard format could play out right yeah it seems like in magic these days especially in standard everybody just has a ton of resources mm -hmm. so like being able to really get ahead on that axis doesn't mean as much as it used to just right because it's it's a more difficult to get ahead on that axis and b it's just more important to play the board it feels like yep we're so. not eking out being plus cards like mm -hmm. that's not not what we're trying to do. We're trying to be plus cards by casting Elspeth Conqueror's Death and Uro and yeah. that sort of thing. Right. And Planeswalkers. So I am afraid that this is not going to do that much. Mm -hmm. But it's neat to have access to it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Stormwing Entity also made my list. Of course it did. Yep. Great card. Um, so I put Ooh. Rewind on here. Okay. This is a reprint. Two blue blue, instant, counter target spell, untap up to four lands. Right. Just potentially goes really well with Nightpack Ambusher or Wilderness Reclamation or both. And yeah. so uh, there's some space for it to be really good for at least a little while. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, it, it seems on the surface like it would be good in like counterspell mirrors, but I think it's actually worse in that scenario. Because you have really, to invest so much up front and then if it gets countered... If this gets countered, then you're out that mana mm -hmm. and there's nothing you can do about it. But like... Against other decks that aren't playing counter spells, you can really double down on being able to punish them mm -hmm. by exactly what you said, just like countering their thing and playing your uh, Nightpack Ambusher or something. That seems like a, a crazy powerful play pattern. Yep. So. yep. so, you know, not an intrinsically incredibly powerful spell, but in the right deck. Mm -hmm. You know, even if it's just counter your thing and then make a three, you know, make a shark. If you're on five mana or something and you counter their thing, make a three, three shark that's pretty good like you wouldn't have gotten that creature in play with a regular counter spell and mm -hmm. you can keep getting on board right so there's something going on here yeah i like it a lot um baron talarian archmage also made my list i like this card quite a bit yep and then my number one and i'm a little surprised this didn't make your list so i'm interested in talking about this. yeah no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so this is teferi master of time uh, two blue blue for a three loyalty planeswalker. You may activate loyalty abilities of Teferi Master of Time on any player's turn anytime you could cast an instant. Plus one, draw a card, then discard a card. Minus three, target creature you don't control phases out. Minus ten, take two turns after this one. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you can untap with this, it's going to it's extraordinarily powerful. Mm -hmm. I think the amount that this sort of tears through your deck and gets you to exactly what you want, fuels your graveyard stuff, whether that's Uro or putting things in there for Elspeth Conqueror's Death or just whatever graveyard stuff you're doing. Like, looting is really powerful in that way, especially two cards a turn. Right. Um, it protects itself quite well from a single attacker, and as long as you then have a way to deal with it after you untap, 
you know, if you if they have one thing out, you play this plus it, phase their guy out, and then you untap with your mana. The problem is you can't then wrath because their guy is phased out. So yep. you can't just play this guy plus it, phase their guy out. They play another guy, and then you're like, oh baby, I'm gonna <laughs> like that. That doesn't work. Right. So you have to have some like instant speed way of then dealing with the creature, mm-hmm. and and that may that may be a big enough ask that this card is a little awkward in some matchups. Mm-hmm. But if this stays in play for, you know, two turn cycles and you loot four times with it... it's a lot of card selection. Or even three times because you phased out. Like, this is pretty good, I think. Yeah, I I don't know. Reading this card, I was like, I, I feel kind of underwhelmed by it. Mm-hmm. And I might be underestimating it. Being able to effectively activate this twice a turn cycle Mm -hmm. i think is more powerful than i had initially read it as yeah just because i'm not used to that kind of thing yeah um yeah but being able to you know play this plus it up to four loot on your opponent's turn you like minus three to hit their attacker and then you can you know plus again on your turn and plus again that's Mm -hmm. like you know against on like on the surface if you resolve this against one attacker you're getting three loots yeah uh, and that is that that does seem pretty good, but you're investing four mana into that, and I think that the likelihood of that specific scenario coming down isn't that likely. I feel like most creature decks are going to have more than one creature in play by turn four, and are just going to be able to take this out pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And against any deck that isn't really trying to play creatures, I just think it's really tough to resolve a blue four mana spell. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so. that that's definitely true, and it may take a while for it to find its spot. Right. If you are playing creatures with this, and they are playing creatures, mm-hmm. it makes their attacks against it really, really awkward, because they have to declare their attacks, and then you get to choose what yeah. gets phased out, yeah. or yeah, that, if something needs to at all. That is a really cool element of this card, is you can you can kind of choose, like pick and see your spot on when you're going to phase something out. So. Right. And um, makes Ember Cleaving just not really a thing. That's nice. <laughs> yeah. You can just you can just wait. Yeah. Yeah. So just don't flinch. <laughs> right. No, don't flinch. <laughs> yeah. But it's which you, you know. always know when you're about to get it. Like you're always holding your breath and you're like, nope, this seems like the Ember Cleave turn. This is it. Yeah, you get that feeling. Yeah. That little itch. Usually because yeah. there's four creatures attacking or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, right. I, I don't know. I I just I really think that this card has a ton of potential. Mm-hmm. And yeah. certainly growth spiraling it out is really good. No, that's that's really fair, for sure. If you want to move on to my black cards. Yeah, go on to black. Uh, so I have started with Village Rites. Mm-hmm. This is black for an instant. As an additional cost to cast this spell, sacrifice a creature, draw two cards. Yeah. Alter's Reap, nowhere near constructed playable. Right. Chop that mana cost in half, though. It's only one mana. Yeah. That's not a lot of mana. I'm pretty interested in doing stuff. Like, this is a way... This counts as a sacrifice outlet in a deck mm-hmm. where you're like, man, I just want to get these creatures into my graveyard. Right. But, like... The sacrifice outlets are so awkward. Put four of these in, it's so easy if you want to kill some of your stuff. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I like it a lot. And, you know, I don't know really, like, I mean, I'm sure we could play this with, like, Cat Oven and that kind of shell as well. But... There's certainly Stitcher Supplier decks right. that are interested yeah. in this. Mm-hmm. Like like the, the Rally decks in Pioneer don't oh, do yeah. a great job of drawing cards. Right. But having this in Slots the... in perfectly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could totally see that being a, an excellent inclusion in, in those strategies. Just makes it a lot easier to find your rallies. You don't have a lot of spell slots, right? But if you're just drawing extra cards, you're going to draw more creatures. It seems fine to go slightly lower on your number of creature count mm-hmm. in in order to draw two cards for a mana. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see if like one mana for this effect makes it good enough because this is like a kind of thing that would be cool to have and constructed. Yes, yes, so. I totally agree. Next up is Kervek the Spiteful. Two black black for a 3-2 legendary creature, human warlock. Other creatures get minus one, minus one. Mm -hmm. um, this is just a huge nightmare for any cat deck or anything like that <laughs> to play against. Yes. Um, also, a fair number of the white weenie decks, this mm -hmm. could be disastrous for right. them. Yeah, just, you know, we've seen static ability of minus one, minus one creatures just completely decimate strategies mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have otherwise thought get decimated. Right. I mean, Plague Engineer is a special case because it hits their stuff and leaves your stuff alone. Yeah, that one mirror. was a little over the top. Right. But I mean, I like anything that I think is going to want to play this card is typically not going to have the downside of its right. own creatures dying. It'll so. just have Uros and Uros fine yeah. as a 5-5. Five five, so yeah. Or it could be a 3-3. Three, three. Like, the fact that it's a 6-6 six, six is... Egregious. It's really bad. So, anyways. Yeah, they wanted that game to end quick. Yes. Hit for 6 damage. Anyways. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think this card is really cool and is certainly going to see sideboard play mm -hmm. quite a bit. And if you're playing a strategy that's vulnerable to this, then you need to keep some amount of rem your removal in, even though your opponent's deck is likely to not have very many creatures. And so pulling your opponent's plan in right. opposite directions in that way can be really valuable. Yeah. Next, I really like the reprint of Kite Sail Freebooter. Yeah. One in a black, one two flying, human pirate. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent reveals their hand, choose a non-creature, non-line card from it, exile it until Kite Sail Freebooter leaves the battlefield. Mm -hmm. This is not a super powerful card on its own. I would not be super surprised if it didn't do a ton in standard, but it has some potential to, if the mono black deck is actually a thing, which it never is, but maybe because we do have stuff for it, this is a very good two drop for it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I love this card. I have this card alongside Unclaimed Territory to thank for the humans deck. Yeah. So... <laughs> Being able to hit your opponent's hand is super important in that kind of strategy. And there's a lot of archetypes right now in Standard that I think this would be excellent against. Yeah. Wilderness Reclamation comes to mind. Hit their Wilderness Reclamation, hit their Expansion Explosion, just kind of like whatever you need. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I, I definitely think it's in a good spot. Uh, and if you are interested in turning on Spectacle for anything, this is like kind of the best way of doing it. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. If you want to turn it on for spawn or if you've got a black-red deck, like yeah. this clears the way of removal spells evasive then... one one power creature yep. um, also very good with the aura in this set the one black black enchanted creature gets plus three plus it gives plus three plus one and flying so you know not ideal to double up on that but it clears the way so you know if it, if you can land an aura and get mm -hmm. a hit in yeah so. yeah definitely so a lot of good things you can do with it Next, I've got Eliminate, one in a black, instant, destroy target creature or planeswalker with converted mana cost three or less. Mm -hmm. Very nice to have that flexibility of being able to kill creatures out of aggressive decks and also Teferis and Narsets. <laughs> yeah. I don't think this is like a super revolutionary spell to exist. Mm -hmm. Like, I think in like Scorching Dragonfire is kind of just better than this. Uh, if you can, like, if they had, if the color thing wasn't an issue, like Scorching Dragonfire is mostly just a better card. You know, this will serve a purpose in some places where you need to kill these specific things, and this is great at both of them. Yeah, it's an instant two mana, and kills a lot of stuff. It does. So if if, if it exiled, I would be a little happier about it because then it would be like a, a a solution to Uro. But yeah, you know, still can't complain too much. It's uh, it's definitely a pretty efficient removal spell. It's really interesting. Um, I see chat talking about how this will go well in Inverter, but 
it has some problems in Inverter because there's so much overlap as far as like a creature removal spell goes with Fatal Push. Mm-hmm. Like you're not able to catch stuff that Fatal Push isn't killing with this. Right. Um, as far as creatures go, obviously this kills some Planeswalkers. Um, and like killing Narsets and Gideons is really, really good. True. But it doesn't kill Jace's. So you can't lean on it as your... You can't lean on it as like your, your big creature removal spell or your planeswalker removal spell because it has some big gaps there that are already kind of like the things yeah. it hits are kind of covered already. I will say that finding like the the perfect two mana removal spell slot for your inverter deck, mm-hmm. like I've played inverter decks that had like one of like three or four different kinds of two mana removal spells because right. they were all had strengths and weaknesses. So I, I could see a world where it's like the metagame shifts in such a way where this, this is the one. And this might just so. be the best one anyways because the options are so mm-hmm. like, eh. Right. And and yeah. having your two mana removal spell also able to hit Narsets and Gideons is right. really good. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the options are mostly like really, really good, but they all have one crucial corner case sure. that is really bad for it. So. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then this is actually my top card, which is just the cranial of the set. Yeah. Uh, one black black. I mean, this is my top black card. One yeah. black black for a sorcery. Choose a card name other than a basic land card. Uh, choose, search target opponent's graveyard hand library for any number of cards with that name and exile them. That player shuffles their library, then creates a 2-2 black zombie creature token for each card exiled from their hand this way. Yeah. This is pretty much the best cranial that we've seen, I think. I agree. Um, because typically the decks that you're bringing in a cranial extraction against aren't going to have ways of utilizing an extra 2-2 every yeah. once in a while. And it only counts, you only get a 2-2 for each card you lose from your hand. Right. If you gave them four 2-2s <laughs> every time you use this, this would be a bad card. <laughs> right. You would die to the 2-2s. <laughs> yeah, those 2-2s would kill you. But yeah, just like every once in a while, maybe your opponent you know, gets a 2-2, but it's still at a cost of a card in their hand, mm-hmm. you're very happy with that trade. So, yeah, I, I agree. I think this is the best cranial that we've seen, and I suspect that it will replace pretty much all of the other cranials. Yeah. The fact that it is not two-color, you know, uh, Unward Ego was quite good, but you had mm-hmm. to be blue and black. Right. That can be pretty difficult. Yeah. This so, just being black... Nivmiz is a little sad, but I think everybody else is happier. Nivmiz so. can still run the one main deck on Morty Ego. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, and yeah, the fact that you're getting, like, two twos instead of drawing cards, mm-hmm. if the times where this gets cast against you and then names a card and you're like, thank God, I had two of that stuck in my hand and I just was not able to, like, leverage it here. Right, right. But they were trying to play it safe. Mm-hmm. And then you just, like, draw the lands that you needed and gets fixed. If you just got two tutus, but you're still, like, struggling to play Magic, you're not going to cross yeah. the finish line with the tutus. Yeah, the number of times that I've been able to draw cards out of, like, dead inverters in my hand is yeah. nice. Yeah. But, you know, now I guess I'll have some tutus. <laughs> and they're not going to do much. I mean, they they challenge planeswalkers in like mirrors and stuff, but yeah. just generally medium. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Let's see what black cards you were looking at. Pretty different for the most part. Yeah, the, a lot of different ones. This one is not one that caught my attention. <laughs> okay, so this one is mostly here just because I love the design of it. Sure. It's so it's an equipment, and that very rarely sees any constructive play. Right. Malefic. Scythe. Malefic Scythe. <laughs> Definitely knew how to pronounce that. Uh, so it's one in a black for a um, artifact equipment when Malefic Scythe enters the battlefield uh, with a soul counter on it. Equipped creature gets plus one, plus one for each soul counter on Malefic Scythe. 
Uh, whenever equipped creature dies, put a soul counter on Malthic Scythe, and it's equipped for one. Mm -hmm. So it, this is, in my mind, a really strong equipment um, in in a limited context, mostly. But be, just because the equip cost is one, yeah, and the equip cost is really what you want to be focusing on when you're evaluating the how good an equip, equipment is, because mm -hmm. you're that's the mana that you're going to be spending over and over again to re-equip this to new things. Right, and just the fact that. It gets bigger every time your creature that has been equipped trades off. I just, like, you know, as soon as it... Even just, like, one creature dying that was equipped to this. Right. Now it's a two now plus it's a, two plus two that you're throwing around. A Volshock Morningstar, which the, is a busted equipment. Yeah, that you just have over and over again. Yeah. I think this card is really strong, and I just love the design of the soul counters. Just, yeah. like, being able to slowly grow over the course of the game. I, I do see this being really good and limited, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, just tough to, like, see a constructed matchup where you're like trading creatures off like that i don't but... i don't really expect it to be yeah. playable but yeah. a very cool design yeah i like it this one is veto thorn of the dusk rose so two and a black for a one three legendary creature vampire cleric whenever you gain life target opponent loses that much life and you can pay five mana three black black for creatures you control gain lifelink until end of turn so we definitely got some like life gain theme cards seeded yep. in this set right if you if you activate a tavern swindler and win the flip with this thing in play that's yep. pretty pretty good your opponent just loses six life <laughs> yeah i mean i think that... Not that that's a constructed thing but sure i think in the right deck like the damage that you get out of this is really going to add up really quickly okay um like if you have just like lifelink creatures or just like incidental life gain mm -hmm. i could totally see an orzov deck that just like has like incidental life gain here and there and, like, it's a beatdown strategy already, and then there's a little bit of life gain, so you can turn it into damage. Mm -hmm. I think that there could be something there. And then just having the threat of being like, all right, five mana, all my creatures have lifelink now, attack you with all my creatures. Like, that's going to be, yeah, it, like, effectively unblockable damage, or, you know, however you want to look at it. Um, I could see this seeing play in the right shell. Not as, like, a, a four of or anything, but just, like, a couple. But yeah. Um, definitely a card that caught my eye and was something that I was like, I would want to look and see if I could build a deck around this. Yeah, and I mean, isn't this effect on an enchantment like five mana for whenever you gain Sanguine life? Sanguine bond? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, maybe this... I mean, that's probably mostly because it's like a casual-oriented thing. Mm -hmm. I think that does it to like all of your opponents, so it's like a well, multiplayer costing kind of thing. Yeah, but... and I know there's like some infinite combos that you can have with this text. Well, there's another five mana enchantment that like like they work with like they it just is the opposite trigger basically so they just like mm -hmm. do a billion <laughs> yes lee I, I knew sanguine bond Amazing. are you proud of me <laughs> yeah um but yeah so it is funny like this does feel like it is it costs less than what what watsi has said this effect costs right so right. that that is some amount of interest a three mana one three is like a really awkward stat line for constructed purposes. It, it really is it yeah. dies to a lot of stuff at like mm -hmm. mana disadvantage yeah. and, and also is vulnerable to elspeth conquers death right yeah yeah um and i think that one of the bigger downsides of this card is that it itself doesn't have any way of gaining life other than the five mana, like right. like it's not even a one three life link to like make it right. yeah, a blocker yeah. against two ones. That's really good. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. So, sure. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I, I just think that that line of text is worth knowing is in standard. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. At, at least for like an FNM kind of deck, like this is this is a perfect FNM deck card that could have, be more powerful than that potentially. Right. 
Yeah. So next up, I have Liliana's Standard Bear. Wow, we really did just pick like five <laughs> five <laughs> different cards. Our each. black cards are very different. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Liliana's Standard Bear is two and a black for a uh, zombie knight flash 3-1. When Liliana's Standard Bear enters the battlefield, draw X cards where X is the number of creatures that died under your control this turn. Mm -hmm. I just think this card is strong. Okay. Um, you know, if if you're trading off creatures or if your opponent points a removal spell at a creature, you can flash this in, get a 3-1 body, get a little extra value out of that. Um, it is 3 mana, which is a little awkward. If this was like a 2-1 that costs 2 mana, I think that would be a lot stronger. Mm -hmm. But I just think that, you know, being able to set up scenarios where you can, like, draw a bunch of cards seems seems like a, a good, good yeah. place to be. It generally, you know, it, it certainly competes with Midnight Reaper for yeah. that slot in your deck. Yeah. And, I mean, there's situations where Midnight Reaper is better. There's situations where this is better. They don't get to know what's happening necessarily with this one. Or at least, even if they know that you have this up, probably, they can't, like, get rid of this with, uh, you know, a lot of different removals. They can't, like, Glass Casket this or something like right. that. Yeah, yeah. You can set this up so, like, whenever they remove this, I will also sacrifice a cat and then and maybe sacrifice a cat a couple of times if i have that yeah. ability mm -hmm. and sacrifice my woe strider token like set this up so i'm drawing three cards when i do cast it right. in a way that would be easier for them to disrupt with midnight reaper which does not trigger off of tokens this mm -hmm. triggers off of tokens yeah so yeah i i could see it possibly um and it also doesn't lose you life so that's kind of <laughs> nice too against yeah. aggressive decks usually fine to lose life with like a cat combo strategy yeah but if you're playing like some sort of aggressive mirror, mm -hmm. um, I think this would be good. But... And this is a knight, which is still relevant. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. Next up, I have Demonic Embrace. Yeah, I like this card. So this is one black black for an enchantment aura. Enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus three, plus one, has flying, and is a demon in addition to its other types. And you may cast Demonic Embrace from your graveyard by paying three life and discarding a card in addition to paying its other costs. Mm -hmm. When I read this card, I was like, what is this card? <laughs> so... You know, it's an aura, and those are typically, like, bad. you know, just bad. <laughs> but the fact that you can play this over and over again from your graveyard, discarding just, like, excess stuff, mm -hmm. um, means that, like, starting on turn three, you're going to have a big threat mm -hmm. pretty much always, as long as you have another creature. Yeah. You know, it's not infinite value. You are losing a card every time you have to cast this again from your graveyard. You can build your deck to make that okay. You can yeah. discard Gutter Bones and mm -hmm. Cauldron Familiars and, right. you know... But, yeah, I mean, it just feels like this card has the capacity to put on a lot of pressure mm -hmm. uh, very quickly. Just, like, plus three, plus one, and flying is no joke. Yeah. If, like, just put on a two-power creature, hit your opponent for five on turn three, and Re then you really just... Really good on anything with lifelink. Yeah. Yeah. There's the... Pre I don't think this made either of our lists because Luris isn't legal, but there's the one-mana, one-one lifelink that if you put it into play or cast it from your graveyard you exile it and you get a 5-5 five, five demon. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that that front side has lifelink means that you can throw this on there, get a couple of 4 damage lifelink hits in, and then yeah. when it dies, you're set up to get value out of that thing being in Plenty your graveyard. Of, yeah. Value from the embrace. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. I just think that, like, there are likely going to be scenarios where this card is really difficult for your opponent to uh, to get through. Yeah. Just, like, have enough creatures and then every single one is a must, like, is an evasive must-answer threat. Sure. So. Yeah, definitely not good in every matchup. Like, no. you don't want this versus a removal-heavy opponent. Right. But the fact that, you know, 
you can set your deck up so that like getting one good hit with this is powerful and like puts your opponent on the back foot. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm pretty into the fact that it gives flying is really really nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Put this on a gutter bones and now your gutter bones is like a <laughs> very real threat. Yeah. So I, I I do like this card. I don't know that it there ends up being a deck that can use it. That you know. Sure. If you get Wrathed with this on there, like it's not like a good feeling <laughs> if you have a couple of creatures and this. Yeah, yeah. But, no, for sure. But it just like being in your graveyard and and you know putting that threat yep. like, in your opponent's mind and, and always having that access hey, to and that. And put this on a Rotting Regisaur. Oh, like, yeah. Ten damage. Ten damage. Ten damage. Yep. Ten, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of into it. Yeah. All right, and I believe this is my number one. Liliana, Walker of the Dead. Waker of the Dead. Waker of the Dead. There's, she she wakes camera up. In the, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Liliana, Waker of the Dead. So it's two black black for a legendary Liliana Planeswalker. Four loyalty. Plus one. Each player discards a card. Each opponent who can't loses three life. Minus three. Target creature gets minus X, minus X until end of turn, where X is the number of cards in your graveyard. Minus seven. You get an emblem with at the beginning of combat on your turn. Put a menace or put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control it gains haste i don't know where i got menace from but it popped out at me (laughs) yeah so i just am typically a big fan of planeswalkers that can come down and kill a thing and then stick around and be annoying yeah um this has the potential to do that but it it needs the additional setup of having stuff in your graveyard and that just doesn't always happen Mm -hmm. like by turn four yeah so that could just be like the death toll for this card where it's just like i you know i just like don't have the ability to fill my graveyard fast enough so i like this like thing that i want to have as like a turn four removal spell into get value isn't really doing it right but if you can ever set up that scenario i think it would be really powerful yeah i think that the fact that it is not reliable Mm -hmm. makes there just be too many situations where this card isn't a great card um, if you're playing against a creature deck, relatively aggressive deck, and you just, like, didn't quite draw a thing. Like, this isn't a Planeswalker where, like, oh, shoot, like, I only drew one removal spell, and now they have guys in play, but, okay, here's my Planeswalker. Like, you only drew one removal spell, so now you're, like, doubly in trouble because this <laughs> right. doesn't kill anything. Yeah. And against more controlling decks or whatever, like, obviously, you don't really care about the removal thing. The plus one doesn't accomplish that much mm-hmm. like it can in certain matchups like obviously liliana of the veil vale had a long time of being really powerful just like stripping everybody of resources evenly right was good mm-hmm. in a format where your opponent has four arrows in their deck that plus one is not good right yeah yeah i, I definitely I, I agree with that for sure so it might be true that this card is just kind of missing on on each axis that it's trying to attack on but yeah, I'm a little scared that that's what it is. Mm-hmm. I would really like for Standard to be a format where a card like this is good. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. We need some rotations to happen. Yes. <laughs> uh, let's see your red cards. Oh, yeah. Honestly, and we, when I was looking at this, we each have a bunch of different red cards. Okay. And they're all like, it's it's not because there's a lot of great red cards. It's because mm-hmm. like the red cards are pretty bad, and it's hard to be like, here's the five good ones. Yeah, yeah. It's I like was, they're all kind of gnarly. It's kind of reaching a little bit, but there are some that I'm very excited about. Okay. Um, one of my one of my well, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll get to something in a second. But 
So this is Gadrak, the Crown Scourge. So this is two and a red for a 5-4 flying legendary dragon. Gadrak, the Crown Scourge, can't attack unless you control four or more artifacts. And at the beginning of your end step, create a treasure token for each non-token creature that died this turn. Mm -hmm. So in a vacuum, this card is not that great. Right. Because it's just never going to attack. <laughs> you need four of your creatures to die. Mm -hmm. Um... Uh, in order to like turn it into something that like can be a threat, I I could see some scenario where like you play this alongside some like artifact creatures or something like that. It makes me really want some real dual lands and standards so that I can play the Ginger Brute, Stone Cold and all that glitters Gadrak yeah. deck. Yeah, right. That would be great, but and 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 maybe it could happen. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, where like we get there with just like enough reasonable beatdown artifact creatures and some other stuff so that this could turn on we but... didn't get i mean i guess we got one good artifact creature in this set but we didn't get like the put them on board to kill you sort right. of artifact creature there's also like witches oven yeah i don't know if that makes would fit into this strategy, makes foods but... that are artifacts there you go like yeah yeah you know food you know sack my cat uh oh, attack with my dragon yeah i mean bring the cat back it is really <laughs> yeah for each non-token creature that died this turn, so that means each time that you do a cat iteration, okay, that give you get an extra All treasure. Right. You're for... you're getting there. Okay, it's good with yeah, okay. It's now just, that, it's now just straight up good with cat and oven. Right. Yeah. That's neat. Okay. Now we're talking. <laughs> I mean, I don't know exactly what you do with those treasures, but certainly once you've piled up like six or seven, like you can build your deck in a way that like mm -hmm. a, i have a pile of treasures becomes i'm doing something good that's mana like mana's what, broken with a five four flyers and get enough for you well attacking <laughs> with a five four flyer is fine yeah, yeah but yeah. i want to kill my opponent once they are elspeth conquers deathing me and stuff yeah, like that for sure yeah i i think that this has a lot of potential yeah. um I'm, I'm into it with cat oven i want to make that yeah. be a thing for right. sure yeah you're stacking creatures that's great so yeah i mean like if if it fits in that shell well enough where you can make it work in the more beatdown oriented cat decks I, I, yeah yeah i, like I mean that. certainly a 5-4 flyer hits really hard like that's yeah. that's definitely you got to take advantage of that but if you are drain life draining their life with cat like every five damage hit is like really serious so mm -hmm. yeah so um but yeah I, I thought those was cool and cool design yeah so yeah a it, lot of cards in here I, I picked out because i just like them <laughs> all right so this one is conspicuous snoop conspicuous Since conspicuous snoop <laughs> conspicuous i in my uh, head that is how that word is pronounced and i had to correct myself over years in order to say it correctly cons don't be suspicious conspicuous it's conspicuous <laughs> yeah. uh snoop so it's red red for a 2-2 goblin rogue you play with the top card of your library revealed whenever that line of text is on a card something good's gonna happen you're you're in for a treat Play with the top card of your library revealed. You may cast goblin spells from the top of your library. As long as the top card of your library is a goblin card, Conspicuous, Conspicuous Snoop has all activated abilities of that card. Yeah. So I really wish this didn't have that last line of text, to be quite honest. Just just the first two? I really wish it was just yeah. a cool like future site for goblins, like mm -hmm. value engine thing that you can you know set up to use. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it just has that when the game combo built into it right is like well a bummer so the the when the game combo that i think you're referring to is kiki jiki right yes you and you can make infinite snoops with kiki jiki mm -hmm. but 
They're all tapped. No, no, no. No? Here's how the combo works. Okay, all right, tell me. You untap with Conspicuous Snoop, and you play a Boggart Harbinger. Boggart okay. Harbinger is two and a black. Search your library for a goblin card. Put it on top of your library. Okay. So you get Kiki Jiki. Okay. And then you make infinite Conspicuous Snoops. Yeah. The last one copies Boggart Harbinger. Okay. And then you search your library for either uh, Mog Fanatic or uh, Sling Gang Lieutenant. Oh, okay. And then you just kill your opponent. Okay, gotcha. So... I wish that that combo were not part of this card. I That's wish just that a it turn were... three combo. That, it's a exactly. turn three twin, splinter twin. And the rest of your deck can just be, a, and, and part, like the conspicuous snoop part of the combo mm -hmm. is just a powerful value engine when you're not comboing. Yeah, yeah. And then the rest of your deck is just goblin value cards. Seems the, great. The only bad card you have to put in your deck is Bogger Harbinger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'm in. <laughs> Yeah, I just wish that it weren't doing that, but uh -huh. I think it is going to be very, I think it has the potential to be extremely good. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. I mean, if that's, if that's just like two and a three, yeah. then like, you know, throw an Aether Vial in there and all of a sudden you're killing your opponent out of nowhere. Right. You just have it on two. That's and... true. Vial makes it way easier to untap with the Snoop. Yeah. 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 So this card is clearly very powerful in that context. And I think it's going to, people are at least going to give it a shot. Yeah. Quite a bit. So, yeah, I, I would love for goblins to be playable. It's just, I mean, and maybe the thing it takes to make them be playable is like, yeah, I can turn three combo you, mm -hmm. but right it, i like i would love to it be could, giving this card attention in order to make the mm -hmm. deck with a bunch of two mana future sites a good deck not right. the deck that tries to combo you on turn three into I, a good deck i feel like goblins have been able to assemble a bunch of like kind of weird combos mm -hmm. already this one just is like very clean so. yeah i mean this is devoted druid combo mm -hmm. like that you don't need an x spell for right. basically yeah like yeah sounds great yeah um <laughs> yeah this is definitely the sign that we were like scraping the bottom of the barrel to come up with our five for red. okay all right so when i first started playing magic there was a card that i saw that re that i kind of fell in love with before i knew how to play magic okay and that was stuffy, stuffy doll. doll so stuffy doll is essentially this card but it's a five mana artifact creature and it's an oh one and when it comes to play you choose an opponent and whenever stuffy doll takes damage it deals that much damage to them. Yeah. Before I really knew how to play, I like saw this card and I was like, "How do you ever beat that card? This is unbeatable." Yeah. <laughs> it's like I have this, I win. You're done. You can't attack with creatures anymore. It taps to ping itself. It's just inevitable that you're gonna die. So I throw back to throw back to that mostly. So okay. So this is so this is Brash Taunter. It's four and a red for a one-one Goblin with indestructible. Mm -hmm. Uh, whenever Brash Taunter is dealt damage, it deals that much damage to target opponent. And you can pay two in a red and tap it. Brash Taunter fights another target creature. Now I'm going to name some cards. Okay. It's a fairy time raveler. No! Elspeth conquers No! Death. Stop it! <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Okay. This card's great. Unbeatable. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Un yeah, I mean, you know. It's not good, yeah. but come on. Yeah, it's sweet. Okay, <laughs> it's it's sweet. A grasp of darkness. Oh, uh, okay. Stop. <laughs> All right, next card. <laughs> oh, man. More dragons. Yeah. Two goblins and two dragons so far. Love it. Into it. Yeah, yeah. I have a type. <laughs> um, so this is Terror of the Peaks. Three red red for a 5-4 dragon flying. Creatures of your opponent... Spells your opponent's cast that target Terror of the Peaks cost an additional three life to cast. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, Terror of the Peaks deals damage equal to that creature's 
power to any target. So I'm going to name some cards. <laughs> okay. That was for the Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take a shot, everybody. <laughs> I oh. know. Well, I mean, it's such a bummer that, like, fives just massively suffer from this problem. Right. But mm-hmm. if you do untap with this card, yeah. oh, baby. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, and I feel like this discussion has happened a lot lately. Mm-hmm. Whenever, like, as soon as this card was previewed, people were like, this card's unplayable. However, like, a year ago or more, this card would be bonkers, mm-hmm. you know? Just, like, before those cards came out, like, this card does so much, and it's, like, it punishes you for targeting it, um, all this stuff. Um, yeah, maybe, like, two-ish years ago or so. Well, also, Vivian Reed in standard would, would be pretty bad for this card. But, yeah. the, like, there's a ton of power in this card if yeah. you do figure out a way to untap with it mm-hmm. you or can, you can do a lot of damage yeah right so yeah i mean it but i agree like the this power level of this card has definitely been outshined recently so if we get to a point where all of the removal is spell based mm-hmm. and fewer ability based removal spells then at least in a uh, you know a mid-rangey red deck that is putting your opponent's life total under pressure all game long mm-hmm. you know the fact that if this consistently at least cause costs them three life to kill or if you untap with it they're in a world of hurt mm-hmm. like that's the world where this could be okay yeah yeah it's just it just sucks that it doesn't trigger off of abilities it's right. only spells and right. that that really hurts it yep i agree because it's just the abilities that are the problem yep anyways so yep but yeah you know it's a dragon right as far as like aggressive you know, creatures can be mold drifters or baneslayer angels. Mm-hmm. As far as aggressive baneslayer angels go, you know this one is definitely pushed. Mm-hmm. But it is a rough world for baneslayer angels, right? And there is a baneslayer angel. Yeah, I didn't make my list. It's, didn't make it's, it's, we didn't it's even baneslayer angel. We didn't it's even talk set. about it in white. Yeah, it's another card that really punishes this dragon. Yeah, that's that's true. It has protection from it. It has protection from it. It just beats it, even if it didn't straight up. It's got first strike. Yeah, yeah, but I don't think you'll be seeing that many of them, that many baneslayer angels around, anyways. So, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So next up, we have Chandra Heart of Fire. So this is three red red for a five loyalty Chandra Planeswalker. Plus one, discard your hand, then exile the top three cards of your library until end of turn. You may play cards exiled this way. Plus one, Chandra, Heart of Fire, deals two damage to any target. And minus nine, search your graveyard and library for any number of red instant and or sorcery cards. Exile them, then shuffle your library. You may cast them this turn, and you add six red mana. I'm not super impressed with this card. Yeah, I mean... It is definitely behind in terms of, like, the power level of the other five mana cards around. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're playing this in a, like, you know, cheapish red shell, the plus one of Exile 3 cards, it, it seems really powerful to me. Um, like, if you can find your way into the late game where the game is boiled down to just, like, whoever can get the most stuff mm-hmm. out, that's a lot of card advantage. Yeah. Just, like, being able to hit three cards, go through, and cast them all. I think it would be a lot better if it was like four mana or something like that, or if it, you know, dealt three damage instead of just two. Like there are a lot right. of like tweaks that I think that you could have made to like push this into more playability, but it feels it it does feel a little short. It doesn't give you that planeswalker thing where it's like you know even if they manage to attack this down or Elspeth conquers death it or something like mm-hmm. I got my beast out of it, I animated mm-hmm. my land or whatever. Right. The the turn it comes down, it doesn't really do anything yeah because it's plus one doesn't you can't make use of it the Mm -hmm. turn that you cast this the two damage 
Not it can be relevant. fine in some matchups, mm-hmm. but not these aren't the matchups where you. Yeah, I, I just am seeing a lot of situations where it's like, yeah, I'm going to cast this card and then lose the game. Mm-hmm. But certainly, if you do untap with it in any sort of matchup where you know it could be like a fine sideboard card out of an aggressive deck against a deck that is going way up on removal spells, and then you play guys, they die to removal spells. Mm-hmm. You hit your fifth mana play this deal right. two to them if they don't have the answer immediately then you just start spewing threats into play right so yeah. i could see that use case for it that that's the most exciting use for it yeah me. i mean that's certainly what i'm like imagining but it does like feel kind of magical christmas landy a little bit but mm-hmm. it just really depends on how the format plays out yep yep all right so my number five was chandra heart of fire nice. okay. I, I think she is a role player potentially, but not a super high intrinsic power. You know, she's a much weaker magic card than like the Vivian friend to, or whatever it is, the five mana Vivian that doesn't see play yet, but will at some point. Oh, sure, Mo- sure. Vivian right. Monsters Advocate. Yeah, yeah. Know, as far as five mana Planeswalkers go, mm-hmm. you know, that's a comparison point. Mm-hmm. I really like this card. Oh, yeah. Chandra's Incinerator. Uh, five and a red for a 6-6 six, six elemental. It costs X less to cast, where X is the total amount of non-combat damage dealt to your opponents this turn. Trample. Uh, whenever a source you control deals non-combat damage to an opponent, Chandra's Incinerator deals that much damage to target creature or Planeswalker that player controls. I think this is a pure Magical Christmas Land sort of card, <laughs> but certainly a setup of Rift Bolt. Okay. Suspend Rift Bolt turn one. Yeah. Turn two, Bolt or Spike you play this yeah that's six, six. really sick mm-hmm. probably it is not good enough and consistent enough for a modern burn deck yeah yeah i i would suspect not for modern burn which is sad because modern burn seems like like i think that's definitely the deck where this will be at its best mm-hmm. but i think it like even then it's not quite at the power level but you know even just like turn one suspend and get this out on turn two is certainly strong and even just like turn three spiky spiky six six it feels close right but um yeah i just i just don't really see this drawing this when you just have like four lands and a i mean i guess boros charm works when you have four lands in play but you know sure i i like there's a lot of situations where you would draw this and just not every time you put cards into your burn deck that lowers your percentage of killing your opponent when they're at three life and you have no cards in hand you need to top deck one right Right. it just like can is so it feels disastrous to mm-hmm. the deck if you know you have misses in there that you didn't have to have. Right. Right. I, I don't think it quite makes the cut, but it is, you know, it's, it's certainly a cool card. And mm-hmm. I, I would love to see if it sees play in any other, like, you know, any other format if there, like, is. Yeah. It it's just, just feels so hard to get the, the mana to damage conversion mm-hmm. in your favor in any right. format that you don't just have, like, a lot of bolts. And right. that's just modern. And then that's just its own deck. So, yeah. Right. And it doesn't want anything except for more bolts. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Probably not going to go anywhere, but anytime you play a one mana 6-6 six, six trample. It seems cool. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> one mana 6-6 six, six trample is great. So this is just kind of a generic removal spell. Soul Seer, two and a red, instant, deals five to target creature or planeswalker. That permanent loses indestructible until end of turn. Right. It's not, like, comparing this to Fry doesn't really make a lot of sense, even though the text is kind of similar. Like, the fact that Fry cost two made it good enough that you would sideboard it in all the time, like, pull double duty against, like, Lyra and Teferi in those decks. Right. But this is, like, a pretty main deckable removal spell, 
potentially. Yeah. The fact that it doesn't kill Uro is obnoxious. <laughs> that is very frustrating for sure. But when you put down your list of stuff you want to kill, and then is this three mana removable spell covering like almost all of the list? And mm-hmm. if it does, there's a decent chance that it's like, okay, Soul Seer is like fine as two copies. Yeah. So. I mean, I could totally see it. We've even been in scenarios where red decks have sideboarded. Uh, what was the one that had like kicker for a million? Fight with fire. Fight with fire. It's just like a yeah. I need to deal five damage to mm-hmm. certain creatures, and fight with fire is the way I'm going to do that. Yep. So yeah, I mean, there could certainly be scenarios where a red deck is going to want access to this mm-hmm. in the sideboard. You know, probably not in the main deck, but you know, definitely want to have access to the sideboard. Like well, you know, there is Baneslayer Angel, and this is yeah, you know, one of the yeah exactly. To it. You need to be able to kill it out of any red deck, mm-hmm. including a slower red deck that's not you know, based in having a bunch of one drops and lightning strikes. Right. Like, this is also fine. Like, you need to kill Baneslayer Angel from any red deck that has, like, a bunch of Planeswalkers and four drops and stuff. Baneslayer Angel is still going to beat you if you don't kill it. Yeah. You need an answer. And, you know, if the new red stuffy doll is, is the mirror breaker in red decks, then, you know, this could be your answer. You do take five when you do that. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Probably not ideal. <laughs> All right. Kills it, though. It does kill it. I also put Transmogrify on my list. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was close to putting this on my list. Yeah. Three and a red sorcery. Exile target creature. Its controller reveals cards from the top of their library until they reveal a creature card. That player puts the card onto the battlefield, then shuffles the rest into their library. It's Uh, Polymorph. It's Polymorph. Mm -hmm. You know, Luca has seen a ton of play, mostly because it's, like, a lot better than Polymorph. You get two activations out of it. You can do, like get you can plus one it when it like it leaves a planeswalker behind after you've activated it multiple times yeah like there's a lot going for luca but this can provide some redundancy in a luca deck in standard mm-hmm. since you are no longer getting agent of treachery which just crushes your opponent you right. have to be doing something else and maybe this redundancy is enough yeah. to make it good right a different way of helping out that kind of strategy is just adding in that redundancy for sure yeah so yeah, it could be cool. Um, I feel like we do need some other just like big heavy thing right. to have. Well, but... so one thing that is really interesting is in Historic now, I believe, unless I'm wrong and this was on the list, but um, Crater Hoof Behemoth is in Jumpstart and Jumpstart goes into Historic. I, but I've heard... I don't know if it made the list of, like, cards that don't actually go into Historic. Yeah, Jumpstart's confusing because it's this big list of cards, but only some of which right. are being introduced into Historic. And so I, I, have, I just don't know. Yeah, I know that, like, Lightning Bolt isn't going in, mm-hmm. Reanimate and Exhum aren't going in, Flametongue Kavu isn't getting in. No. <laughs> I don't know if Crater Hoof is getting in. If it is getting in, though, mm-hmm. I one of my first places I would go would be a green-red token deck with crater, a couple of crater hoofs, okay. and Lucas, and a, a transmogrifier too. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe like Naya, so you can get all of like the white tokens as well. Or yeah, something if like you can that. make the mana work. Sure, sure. Just like crater hoof, you barely need any creatures in play for that to be a lethal thing. Yes. You have a couple of one ones. You put a crater hoof into play, and you're attacking for a jillion damage. As a legacy elves fan, you'd be surprised at how little resources you can hoof somebody out. <laughs> so it is so much better. Than the analogs, than Decimator yeah. of the Provinces, right. or Enray's Forerunners. It just like, the, especially the fact that sometimes they have a removal spell for the big guy, mm-hmm. but if the big guy also pump, if the big guy pump the other guys plus two plus two, they just take the hit and they're fine. Right. If they pump them plus five plus five, they are dead. Yes. 
yeah, that's seems, the thing I would cool. definitely try in definitely some some things to do with it. And then my number one is conspicuous. Of course, I think it's yeah. just going to make the Goblin decks real in modern. Yep, and and legacy as well, possibly. Right, It'll, it it can definitely be a renaissance for for those decks. Mm-hmm. All right, my green cards. I'm going to start with Heroic Intervention. One in a green, instant, permanence you control, gain hexproof, and indestructible until end of turn. Love this card. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this card is, uh, you know, I've definitely sideboarded this card quite frequently and blown out a lot of opponents with it. Sure. Nobody ever sees it coming. It's and it, it works against everything. Yeah. If they are Elspeth conquering, Elspeth conquers deathing you. If they are shatter the, shattering the sky. If they are just casting a generic removal spell on a good creature and you want to save it. Mm-hmm. Like... This stops any way of them messing with your stuff for a turn. Unless. Unless. They have a Teferi in play. (laughs) Just to really rain on your parade here. But. But. Next set comes out. Mm -hmm. And then we we can cast our heroic interventions freely. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Right. No, I mean, I I certainly love this card. I think that it's really cool for Green to have access to this tool. Yeah. Definitely a good sideboard. I'm a big fan. Next, got Lanoir Visionary. Mm-hmm. Two and a green for a 2-2 Elf Druid. When it enters the battlefield, draw a card. Tap, add a green. So, pretty simple, but very, very powerful stuff that it's yeah. doing. I like it a lot in decks that don't necessarily... You don't really want to be counting on this to hit your fifth mana. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I like it a lot in a more malleable curve sort of deck. Mm-hmm. Where it's not just like I'm going like one to three to five to whatever. Like I like it in a more jundy sort of deck where you can put the mana into stuff, but if you don't untap with it, you can cast a four or something like that. Right. And the fact that you're drawing cards off of it means that like they kill it and you're able to take advantage of that because you're up a card on the exchange and that's good for you rather than you being like, I really needed to make mana with this guy. Like you can just play a a different ramp spell if that's the kind of deck that you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're playing a more normal magic deck with, you know, I, I this has some similarities to Rogue Refiner, where right. it's a body that draws you a card, contributes to your game plan in some other way, and every time they killed your Rogue Refiner, you felt pretty fine about it. So, so, all right, you know, you got it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally agree. I think this card is uh, just, like, has all of the bells and whistles that you want on, on a card like this. Yep. So... It's just bad. The one place it's like bad, bad is like against Mono Red when they have a shock. And sure. The, the tempo right. loss there can really screw you up. Yeah, yeah. Three mana at that point is is a lot. It just doesn't, the, your cards don't matter. Like, like I'd, I would even just sideboard it out in a matchup like that if my opponents had a good number of shocks. Yeah. So, yeah. But you can just do that. So, there you go. Next up, got Scavenging Ooze. Oh, yeah. One and a green for a 2 2. Green, exile target card from a graveyard. If it was a creature card, put a plus one, plus one counter on Scavenging Ooze, and you gain one life. It's just a really solid creature that has been good in every format it's been legal in, and is surprisingly powerful as a standalone thing, as long as there are creatures around. Just super, super excited to see this card in a Uro metagame. Yeah. Just being able to hit Uros, manage your opponent's graveyard... I just think it's going to be, like, the mirror breaker there. Like, when Scavenging News was around and Tarmogoyf was around, mm-hmm. it just, you know, single-handedly made people think that Tarmogoyf was a bad card. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I think I think that this is, like, kind of a blessing to have in Standard these days. It's just like, okay, you know, now I can 
be able to manage my opponent's Uros. Mm-hmm. It's great against Elspeth Conqueror's Death. Not amazing against a fairy, but it's two mana, yeah, so you it's can not redeploy the it. The worst thing to have. Yeah, it's happen. it's not it's not like you're getting super punished because you're losing more mana than they put into their Teferi. Right. So, so this is the kind of card that I you know a deck with this in it is likely a deck where Lanowar Visionary, it, you know, sort of mid rangey thing, creature threats, mm-hmm. able to use mana but not rely on having a ton of mana all the time. Yeah, yeah, and is not just like. You know, this helps you be like, oh, I don't, I don't just lose to them drawing Uro mm-hmm. the way that mid range decks kind of are <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm super, super pumped for this card. Uh, next, I've got Garrick Unleashed. Mm-hmm. This is two green, green for a four loyalty planeswalker. Plus one, up to one target creature gets plus three, plus three, and gains trample until end of turn. Minus two, create a three, three beast creature token. Then, if an opponent controls more creatures than you, put a loyalty counter on Garrick Unleashed. And minus seven, you get an emblem with at the beginning of your end step, search your library for a creature card, put it on the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Mm-hmm. Just a good non-creature way to push damage. And if you don't have creatures in play when you cast this, you at least can make one body to start pumping and really pushing damage through yeah. with. And, you know, we've mentioned this card on the podcast before. It just feels right to have a four mana Garrick that mm-hmm. makes a 3-3. Three, three. Yeah. Just something's right in the world when you get to do that. So yeah. I, I agree. I think this card is pretty cool to see i just you know i don't know if it's gonna survive the the power level push of standard these days but you know it certainly seems strong and i i'm hoping that we get to play a standard where this is a good card yeah so and i i think it does have the potential to be very good Mm -hmm. in a relatively wide variety of standards yeah as long as you can build an aggressive deck that can cast garrick right and unfortunately because of the lands we have access to that is likely to be a mono green stompy deck. Sure. But this pushes damage. It is effectively haste. You know, it's there's there's reach in this card, mm-hmm. and there's sweeper recovery in this card. And by itself, you know, as a standalone thing, without if they deal with everything else mm-hmm. that you've been presenting, this can come down, make a three three, and then make that three three attack for six. Like, right. That's a lot of damage. Yeah, and just like the plus for three damage. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. It is. And it allows your creature to attack through a lot more than it normally could have. Yeah. So, And we do have some of the tools for Mono Green Stomp. You know, people have been playing it even in this metagame mm-hmm. right now because it can take advantage of some stuff. Gem Razor is an excellent card. Um, we're getting Heroic Intervention in this set. We have some good cheap creatures to go in the deck. Uh, you know, you play some, like, wonky stuff that is like, is this really constructed playable? But, right. you know, the sir farin or whatever like attacks for a surprising amount of damage if you plus on your sir farin and then attack and that gives another creature plus five plus five pretty great you that's you that is e- easily a turn four goldfish right like they are dead yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i would certainly hope so so um yeah i'm i'm, I'm in for that so i i would love to play with this card i'm hoping to right um, my top green card in the set is just Cultivate. Yeah. Two and a green, sorcery, search your library for up to two basic lands, reveal those cards, put one on the battlefield tapped and the other into your hand, then shuffle your library. Um, a big reason that this is my top green card is because Ugin is in the set, mm-hmm. and this is a great enabler to help you get to an Ugin right. eventually in the game. Yeah. Not only does it ramp you, but it is also card advantage for a deck that just wants to make every single land drop. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, just a phenomenal card. And I'm pretty okay with this as a way of putting value onto your ramp spells. Mm -hmm. You know, Growth Spiral is 
you know, when you grow spiral turn two and you get a land and you draw a card, like on raw card spending and rate and stuff, like it is kind of just a rampant growth. Right. Like you spent a card to put a land into play. Right. But the fact that you can draw a growth spiral on turn 10 and then be like, "Eh, whatever, I'll cycle it. Like Mm -hmm. you can't draw rampant growth or cultivate on turn 10 and be like, this is fine. Like that sucks. Yeah, that's not great. So I appreciate this way of putting value onto ramp spells. No, yeah, I, I definitely can get behind that for sure. Growth spiral, I agree, is a bit much. Yeah. So, especially when you get to, you know, this is delving way too deep into like magic philosophy and theory for our set review. Okay. But the combination of growth spiral and uro into the same decks. Mm-hmm. They, they give you the exact same incentives in deck building, which is like, yeah, I want to put 28, 29 lands in my deck because right. I have all of these explorers. Right. And I never want to miss a land drop. And and, they, and you're also just never going to run out of value with an Uro. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and because these just like churn through your deck, you know, they have the same desire in deck building and, and the cards that you want to draw. And every time you put Uro into play, you, you make a land and you're fine with that. And mm-hmm. so it just is this like you know, kind of pre-built package that works together really well with no competing interests and just maxing out on those explorers, I think it ends up being, like, pretty unhealthy overall. Yeah. Let's see what your green cards are looking like. <laughs> Aha, a Baneslayer Angel. Aha, yes. I mean, you know, I gotta throw one in there. Sure. Um, yeah, so this is Elder Gargaroth. It's three green green for a 6-6 six, six beast with Vigilance, Reach, and Trample. Whenever Elder Gagaroth attacks or blocks, choose one. You create a 3-3 green beast creature token. You gain three life or you draw a card. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, a lot of things that this card can do. Mm -hmm. But you're right. It's a Baneslayer Angel. You have to untap with it. And that's tough to do these days. The place where I see this the most is very similar to where I see actual Baneslayer Angel being good. Sideboarded in against an aggressive red deck. Like mono red. Yeah. Yeah. What yeah, are I mean ever gonna do about this? Yeah, six six on turn five that can gain life and make other three threes. It's yeah. Yeah. It's a a big roadblock. But I agree. It's just not what standard's about right now. Mm-hmm. So But there's certainly it could get to a place, although Uro mm-hmm. and Elspeth Conqueror's death are going to be in the format the whole time that this right. is legal. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and Elspeth Conqueror's Death is, is certainly up there in my mind with Teferi. It's just like a card that we mm-hmm. keep on naming over and over and over again about just like... It just punishes too much of the stuff you want to, mm-hmm. that, that would be cool to have access to. Yeah. It's too versatile. It just, the fact that you get to choose the thing that it kills, it's a very good removal spell, kills whatever the important thing is, mm-hmm. and then it's a very good threat, whatever your best threat in your graveyard or their graveyard is. Like... <laughs> That's a lot. It's just a lot. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this one's a kind of a fun one. So this is Primal Might. X and a green for sorcery. Target creature you control gets plus X plus X until end of turn. Then it fights up to one target creature you don't control. Okay. So I guess it's just a strictly better prey upon. Yeah. If nothing else. The card, the thing, I like, I just think this is another well-designed card in the sense that for a single green, you can prey upon. Mm-hmm. You just, you know, have your creature find another creature. Don't mess around with the X. It's fine. Um, but, you know, later in the game, uh, maybe you need to, you know, trade up or, like, kill a, your opponent has a, a, a bigger creature that you need to get out of the way. Just spend some extra mana, mm-hmm. pump your creature up, get some extra damage in, right. you know, kind of whatever. 
Um, I can see a lot of boards where you're like, I've got a creature that's better than yours, and I've got a Planeswalker in play. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm in pretty good shape. Right. And then this card is the one card that kills their creature, right. kills their Planeswalker. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's probably more of like a sideboard card for green stompy decks mm -hmm. that are like looking for something in a creature matchup. Yeah. I, you know, I think it has potential to uh, to be to be pretty good in that scenario. Sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That I yeah, it's certainly not like an all-star standard no. like powerful removal spell, but it can be the thing that is that that you want. Right. I can see it. You had this one on your list as well, Land of War Visionary. Mm -hmm. Just I think this is just a great card. Yeah. You know, three mana, draw a card, add some mana, sure. serve a threat. Yep. Into it. It's great. Oh, yeah, this card. This is a sweet card. Yeah. So this is... Joel Rail. Joel Rail. Monvuli. Joel, Joel... Oh, my goodness. I know. It's a bunch of... Joel mouthfuls. Rail, Monvuli, Recluse. Mm -hmm. <laughs> one and a green for a 1-2 legendary human druid. Whenever you draw your second card each turn, create a 2-2 green cat creature token. And then you can pay four in green, green. Uh, and it says, until end of turn, creatures you control have base power and toughness XX, where X is the number of cards in your hand. Hmm. So it just feels like a kind of cool, like blue green card to me that is just played in a deck that's built around, you know, cycling a bunch or drawing X cards in some ways. Uh, the body is really cheap, so you can get it out on turn two, mm -hmm. and then if you can start generating value from there. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess if you untap with this, you know, I, this is... Probably you can't build a deck like this that actually works, but kind of baseline, if you untap with this on turn three, cycle mm -hmm. a card on your turn, make a 2-2, two -two, pass the turn, cycle two cards, make another 2-2. Two -two. Right. Like, I, that, that could be... You, that that is a lot of power on one card yeah probably you can't build a deck with all of those cyclers to make that super consistent but the fact that there is that sort of thing available to mm -hmm. you um yeah this could make a lot of power just kind of sitting there and being threatening yeah right like cycling is certainly one way of making it work like maybe in some other format you can like you know what about this card in legacy just like cast your brainstorm on your opponent's turn, make a two two. Cast your ponder on your turn, make a two two. Oh wow, okay. Yeah, I don't hate that actually. I, it it just feels like there could be some way of utilizing this card mm -hmm. that is powerful. Like because that text is it seems strong to me. Yeah, I think yeah, sort of like low, not necessarily like low resource, but like lower to the ground formats with lots of cantripping mm -hmm. in them. Right. I could see you know two is pretty expensive in legacy. Yeah. Yeah, but, no, it is for sure. It would be taking like the Tarmogoyf slot or whatever. But this is a green creature. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't get hit by Pyroblast. It mm -hmm. doesn't get hit by, you know, spell pierces or whatever. Like there's a lot of things it kind of dodges because the hyper efficient answers in the format are targeted towards the primary threats. Right. Whenever this is a thing that isn't dying to a lot of the stuff. Of course, as a creature, it always dies to Lightning Bolt and it always <laughs> dies to Swords. Yeah. But you know, if you cast it on a turn where you just have Brainstorm up and then they swords it and you get your 2-2 out of it mm -hmm. and in a Delvery sort of game, like that 2-2 two -two two -two can be a difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, you know, I don't I don't exactly know where mm -hmm. this would slot, if it's going to slot anywhere, but it's got a lot of potential in my mind. Yeah. So, And any, any instance that, you know, don't necessarily fully draw you two cards, but you know loot or rummage or whatever like thrill of possibility on their turn right makes a two two yeah there you go 
Okay. I, I can see it. It's it's tough to pull off, I think. Like, tough yep. to see what the deck is because it doesn't really match with most of the stuff that we've got going on. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it doesn't take additional mana investment to do this, th- to do the cat making thing. And that's pretty important. Right. Yeah. Um, you had this one as well. Yep. This is Garrick. I'm Garrick seems sweet. Yep. I want it to be good. Yeah. Me too. All right. We have been moving pretty quickly, so we are on to our uh, just sort of like gold and colorless cards. Yep. There weren't that many good ones, so it's all one category. Um, and I think our cards are basically exactly the same. Are they really? Yeah. Okay, great. Close. This one okay. I didn't have, but... Okay, yeah. So this is Conclave Mentor. It's green-white for a 2-2 Centaur Cleric. If one or more plus one plus one counters would be put on a creature you control, that many plus one plus one plus one counters are put on that creature instead. <laughs> plus one? How many times can you say plus one in a row? That many plus one plus one plus one yes. counters. That's, that is three in a row, isn't it? But nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, when Conclave Mentor dies, you gain life equal to its power. Yeah. I mean, this is close to Winding Constrictor. Yeah. Just in green-white. Um, yeah. I mean... And I love Winding Constrictor. It's not all counters, which in some cases for Winding Constrictor was a detriment. Yes. Soulscar Mage comes to mind. <laughs> yes. But but yeah, I mean, this card has, this this text, I should say, has proven itself in the past. Um, you know, Winding Constrictor, uh, Hardened Scales. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just a lot of stuff that you can do with that. And uh, if the support is there, I think it could certainly be its archetype. So Yeah. If you, you know, you can do the trick where the same you did with like Watley's Raptor and Pelt Collector or Winding Constrictor and Pelt Collector. Like if you go Pelt Collector into this, your Pelt Collector is a 3-3. Three, three. Mm-hmm. That's kind of nice. Yeah. Uh, so that could be a thing. But yeah, I, I loved making Winding Constrictor work. Add some very good friends <laughs> yes, in it that did. format. Yes, it did. Yeah. You know, Long Tusk Cub. Yeah. That was Verderous Gear Hulk and Walking Ballista. <laughs> Yeah, right. we don't have those cards. Right, right. And those cards were the cards that made that archetype work. It wasn't the fact that Winding Constrictor, Winding Constrictor got killed there. more yeah. often than not, mm-hmm. but they had to kill it. Right. And that would leave room for your other stuff to come out. Or if they didn't kill it, like, oh, baby, this Walking Ballista is going to mess you up. Yeah, so. right. And sometimes you duress into it and just easily won. <laughs> that, that, that felt good. Yes. Oh, yeah. So white is a worse color. For this sort of card, I mm-hmm. think. Right. I mean, we'll see what kind of, like, you know, counter support comes mm-hmm. in the next couple sets or whatever. Yeah. But, um, yeah. I also don't love this dying to shock. Which, True. You know. Venerated Loxodon, though. It is really good with Venerated Loxodon. And it is not that hard to cast this and cast Venerated Loxodon right. on the same turn. Yeah. Yeah. And they so. don't get it. I mean, they can respond to the Loxodon. So if mm-hmm. they have instant speed removal up, you don't get it. But... But you still locks it on. So you it's still not, locks it's it on. not the end of the world. Right. right. And I mean, we all know how to play magic. We all know how to <laughs> like pick our spots. And yeah. Yeah. Certainly is really. Yeah. I mean, that makes the white better than black, at least in the standard format. Like, and I guess a lot of the cards are for that sort of deck are plus one, plus one counter oriented. Mm-hmm. Basri puts plus one, plus one counters on guys slowly, but still does it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. His lieutenant, the, the one that you picked out does a plus one plus one counter thing i think there is a theme there for sure we'll just see if it can come together and once again like our lands are pretty medium for this sort of deck yeah yeah that is fair for sure 
Next up, I have uh, Rada, Heart of Keld. So this is one red-green for a 3-3 legendary elf warrior. As long as it's your turn, uh, Rada, Heart of Keld has first strike. You may look at the top card of your library at any time, and you may play lands from the top of your library. Uh, and then you can pay four red-green. Rada gets plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of lands you <laughs> control. So... It you know just the the second line of text is very powerful. It's the course of Krufix text, mm-hmm. of, and it, this one isn't even revealed. You can just peek. Yeah, so you're at the top, which is so much cleaner in a lot of scenarios. Your opponent just knowing your hand at all times when you had Corsair in play. Definitely a downside of Corsair, yeah. but the power of that line of text I think made up for it in mm-hmm. pretty much every scenario. The body size and the lack of life gain, I think, ultimately does make this worse than Corsair, mm-hmm. because Corsair did a great job of enabling mid-range decks and shutting down right. all of their yeah, yeah. two-power guys. This is a little different. This one is like more aggressively slanted, mm-hmm. and then once you get to six mana, you can really you can really pump it up and, and make it a, a threatening attacker. But I mean, I don't love it in a truly aggressive deck. Mm-hmm. Like, your three-drop in your deck... That is filled with like ones and twos and burn spells. Right. Your three drop should be killing them, yeah, not yeah. like generating value. Right. For sure. So I don't love it in that. But any more mid rangey, any green red deck that has some dragons in it, like I'm pretty into this. Seems, this seems yeah, pretty well slotted into that for yeah. sure. So. It, it just helps you like if you have your like paradise druid and dragons and stuff deck, it helps mm-hmm. keep you from flooding out, which is a problem those decks experience a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And gives you a place to put your mana potentially for not the most powerful effect but if you don't have a thing to spend your mana on and you can just make this into a must kill threat Mm -hmm. like that that's better than nothing yeah totally agree there's something there but it is not overwhelmingly powerful and it i i I mean i think it is just mostly just going to be a mid-rangey card advantage card and being two colors is going to make it fit into fewer decks than something like corsair would have true for sure um <laughs> uh next up i have uh maze mind tome so this is two mana for an artifact uh you can tap it to put a page counter on maze mind tome to scry one mm-hmm. you can also pay two mana and tap it to put a page counter on maze mind tome and draw a card um and when there are four or more page counters on maze mind tome you exile it and if you do you gain four life yeah um it's kind of a treasure map sort of thing so i'm yeah, definitely a fan it's kind of a treasure map it's it's a little different because treasure map was like you, you kind of get all the pieces eventually mm-hmm. this one you have four activations and you get to choose whether or not you want to put mana into it to draw a card or if you don't want to put mana into it you can just use it to scry one yeah i like this sort of effect mm-hmm. in a mid-rangey or more controlling deck that doesn't have blue in it like that sure. sort of draw fixing and i gotta make my i gotta make land drops three through five and you don't even have to spend mana in order to help yourself do that with this card necessarily yeah and then it probably the most common use case of it will be scry a couple of times make sure that i'm hitting my lands or early removal spells if you're putting pressure on me and then after that just get like a card draw or two out of it Mm -hmm. but you know if you're in a more controlling mirror if we're looking back at like magic from a couple of years ago where you could get this down on turn two on the play in a controlling mirror Mm -hmm. and then like they're in trouble right because after that you just keep mana up 
if they play something, you counter it. If they don't, you pay two mana and you draw a card. Once you've drawn like four cards, you're just way up on on value. Right. But you know, it is fine regardless of matchup. Yeah. In in more aggressive matchups, you really want your first several draw steps to be kind of giving you the goods. Right. In slower matchups, paying the mana. It can pay dividends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's also pretty good with Yorion. If you're playing a Yorion Ooh. deck, you get to reset the page counters. Okay, yeah. Wow, I didn't even think about that. So yeah, um, yeah. Also, I mean... wait, no. The what's his name? The um, Baron cannot bounce this. He only bounces creatures and planeswalkers. But Teferi bouncing this can reuse it. So. Okay. Yeah, I mean, plenty of ways of of getting a lot of use out of this for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, I like it a lot. It just feels like in a format of Growth Spiral and Uro, right? It's just completely outshined. Yes, and so. I, but I think that stuff will open up when there is not growth spiral in the format. Yeah. We'll always have Uro, but <laughs> the like growth spiral leaving is going to be a pretty big deal. Yeah, I agree. So next up, I have Spark Hunter Massacre. This is three mana for a three-four artifact creature Massacre. <laughs> As an additional cost to cast this spell, uh, discard a card. As is tradition with Massacres. Well, you uh, discard a card. At some point, right? Yeah, yeah. You, you never know ETB, where it's going to be. Cast, who knows? But you know, you're going to be discarding a card. Um, it has protection from planeswalkers. You can spend one mana to have it deal one damage to target planeswalker, and you can spend three mana to have it gain indestructible until end of turn. Yeah, this made the list just because. Screw Teferi. Yeah. It's very good against Teferi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it comes down. Teferi can't bounce it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if Teferi bounces something else, you can spend a mana and ping it to death. Mm-hmm. And Right. Um, I mean, if you were on the play and they Teferi bounce your three drop, mm-hmm. you can cast this, discard right. your three drop that maybe you never want to cast again this game, or right. a mana, finish off the Teferi. Right. That's fine. Yeah. You know, I think it's cool for that specific scenario. The problem is, Espeth Conquer's death still kills this. I know. And that's a bummer. Yep. Also, like, getting this bounced by, like, a Brazen Borrower is pretty bad. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot of things that kind of punish, like... Like, yes, we have talked about how kind of you don't run out of resources mm-hmm. in Standard. Right. But if you're playing three mana spells that cost an extra and card to cast, card, like, right. you you can make yourself run out of cards. Right. Yeah. Uh, but... I, one thing that is really cool about this card too is that it's incidentally quite good against Ugin. Mm-hmm. So Ugin can come down and sweep, but yeah. it leaves this in play, and this thing is definitely going to kill the Ugin. Right. It also has four toughness. Like Ugin just can't really deal with this card. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. No, that's an excellent point for sure. That probably is enough to make it at least a role player yeah. in an Ugin heavy format. Right. They couldn't even bolt it if they wanted to. Yeah. Because yeah, protection from planeswalkers. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> cool card. And, and definitely good against specific things that I expect to see play in Standard, so. Yeah. Yep. And then your last one. Oh, what a surprise. Hey, it's Ugin. Ugin the Spirit Dragon. Ugin has won me a lot of games. Yeah. Just because that's what Ugin does, yeah. is it wins you the game when it resolves. Yep. Should not be in any cube. Um, it's just a ridiculous magic card. Yeah, eight mana, it comes down, it wipes your opponent's whole board. Mm, exiles them even, so they're just like really Get them out of here. Yeah, Uros, doesn't matter. Get out. I, if nothing else, the fact that this is going to like mess up some Uros doesn't <laughs> yeah, make me that... like kind of okay with it. Right, yeah, maybe that's going to be the new metagame is, um, uh, you know, people are playing Uro decks. And then people are playing Ugin decks, and then that's or well, probably the reality is that it's the same yeah. deck. And oh it's yes, just it's mirror. one deck for sure. But oh my goodness, Ugin is just massively impactful. 
eight mana is certainly a lot, but you can just get there. We've got cultivates. We've got most of our decks are playing close to thirty lands, anyways. You just you just hit your eighth land drop. Yep, in standard these days, it just happens. So yep, any um, board heavy matchup mm -hmm. like this is the trump right and it's going to motivate deck building considerations and cause different cards to get played very specifically in order to beat ugin yep spark hunter masticore is going to see play to beat ugin right um you're going to hold elspeth conquer's death for longer like a lot of times you cast elspeth conquer's death just because it's like yeah i can kill a fine thing with it and then i'll get something back right. and like that's good that that's great but you, you're going to need to be able to deal with their Ugin. Mm -hmm. uh, one thing that you also can do is discard Ugin to Spark Hunter Masticore or something like that and then get it back with your Elspeth Conqueror's death. <laughs> okay, all right. So now we're talking. You get this back with an extra loyalty counter. You can even, you get to ult it the next turn if that's what you want to do. Seems great. And, you know, if your deck is full of Ugins, then you're, like, reasonably likely to just put another Ugin in play when you ult yep. this. So yep. Yeah, the ultimate is something else crazy right and it, it happens very quickly if you elspeth conquers death it into play right so yeah this card is going to be really important i am very glad that teferi is only going to be around for one set with this mm -hmm. because i think it's important that counter magic comes back yeah. in some way yeah counter spells need to exist if people are trying to resolve an eight mana mm -hmm. i win the game card yeah yep. in, in a format where it's so easy to ramp to eight mana yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, my cards are very, very similar. I had Rada, Heart of Keld. Yep. I it think it's a strong. cool card. Yeah, yeah, for sure. sure. And then I had Solemn Simulacrum. Yes. I I don't think this card is going to be very good. Yeah, but it's it's near and dear to our hearts. Yeah. It has never been like a particularly good standard card. Right. Uh, and it really requires you to be saying, like, I'm going to use the mana that I'm getting from this thing. From, mm -hmm. Like... Arboreal Grazer is great because the land that you put into play, you get to use on turn two, and then three, and then four, and then five, mm -hmm. and then so on. So you get a lot of extra mana out of that land. Yeah. When you Solemn on turn four, or I guess turn three if you grow spiraled into it, mm -hmm. like you're not using that land as many times. It's not nearly as good. Right. So you need to, your deck needs to be saying like, I'm going to, the game's going to go on for several more turns after mm -hmm. this Solemn. You have to be playing like a kind of value-oriented ramp deck that's going to keep using that. And I'm sure Ugin is going to be part of the math. I was going to say, yeah, you probably want to Solomon Ugin. Yeah. It seems like a fine play pattern, but we'll we'll see if it ends up seeing play. It is it, it certainly outshined in a lot of contexts, but, you know, but it's historically just been, you know, a, a, a favorite of ours. Oh, people so. love this card, and it's I love sad this card. robot. Yeah, How sad can you not? It, it is... There's so many arts for this card, and there just shouldn't be. There should just be the Jens Thorin art. Yeah. Like, that's how invitational cards just should be. Right. Yeah, I agree. If you're going to commission new art, use uh, have the artist use the, the invitational winner's likeness again. Right. Like, I, I, I don't like this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, I feel that. Um, my next one is Maze Mind Tome. Yep. I think this card's pretty cool. And then I've got Spark Hunter Massacre, it's a hard. very clear role player in a Planeswalker heavy, Ugin heavy metagame. Mm -hmm. And then I've got Ugin as my top card. Of course. So Yep, yep. These, I mean there it is. These ones were pretty easy. There weren't that many great choices in the colorless and multicolored cards. So Yeah, going over all the multicolored cards, they were all just like uncommon limited archetype signals. Yeah. It felt like. So Yeah. Yeah, and, and only like 
Right, the Selesnya one kind of snuck in as like this is like that. This, but this it's could also be, maybe yeah. This could be standard playable yeah. or constructed playable in some way. Yeah. yeah. So, but there you have it. All right, that's the set. I feel far less run down. You know, this was still a healthy two hour. Recording, yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I am much less run down than I don't after feel going over everything. Completely exhausted. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Yep. This is this has been fun. Yeah. Really appreciate everybody hanging out. Chat. Thank you for sticking around. It was very cool. I'm glad you're here. Everybody at home, thank you so much for giving us your time. Really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you want to lend us some support, you can head to our website, mtggrindcast.com, where we've got links to our Patreon, links to all of our episodes. You can head straight to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast to sign up. We'll be sending some stuff out. Uh, come hang out in the Discord. We've been doing hangouts every week just to kind of chill and make sure we get a chance to talk to the people who support us yeah that's been fun yeah it's nice so this weekend um we are covering the mana traders pioneer tournament the the june uh tournament the qualifying sort of happened in open rounds and then it cuts to a swiss and a top eight so that's a 15k that we'll be covering on twitch.tv slash team lotus box collins and i and lee will be doing commentary yep and yeah, pretty excited about it. So please tune in if you're around. You can sign up for Mana Traders with the code LOTUSBOX. And that is our affiliate code. You'll get, I think, 20% off of your first three months or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that re- would really help us out. So that would be super cool. Um, but yeah, hopefully we see you there. We'd love to have you in the chat while we're doing commentary. And yeah, it'll be a good time. Yep. So see you all this weekend, hopefully. If you want to find us on social media, we're around. I'm tweeting at CCR underscore Grandcast. Collins is also on Twitter at Collins Mullen. Thanks so much for listening and have a great week. Peace.